Ladies and gentlemen, please remain calm and keep your heads down as Julie Ruiz is at the plate. <laughs> Circling the bases like a tornado. Circling the bases like a tornado. Like a boss. Um, this is Friday. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan and with me is Roy. Hello. I'm glad I'm in sunny San Diego and not in the uh, the windy, wet city right now. In, in the windy, tornadic city of, I'm not even sure that's how you say it, but yeah. Cyclonic. <laughs> cyclonic, just. Uh, and here's the thing about tornadoes. Like I, I talk to people, you know, my, my dad, my brother live outside of, of Nashville and, you know, there's uh, tornadoes go through on, on occasion, you know, maybe one every other year, maybe two, uh, you know, maybe once a year on average. And, uh, you know, I ask people, like, how can you live in, like, places where there's tornadoes, like, every year? They're like, oh, those ain't, they, they ain't no bad. No, you live in California. You got them earthquakes. And I'm like, yeah, but it's if it, it, they're kind of fun, <laughs> you know, if you just kind of shake and kind of roll for a second and then it's over. Or tornado can, I mean, you can die. Yeah, and I, I haven't, I haven't felt an earthquake in, like, 30 years living here. I don't know why. Oh, did you feel the earthquake? No, I, I didn't. I was driving in my car. I was whatever. I slept right through it. Yeah. Nothing where, I mean, tornado alert happens and it's all over the news and they've got the yeah. maps with the colors all over the place and the sirens and the, oh, you need to have a fortified room in your house and oh, you need to have a plan. No, and with an earthquake, I mean, okay. Yeah. If it happens, I go hide under the desk, but the odds of an earthquake hitting seems like a lot slimmer than getting leveled by a tornado holy smokes yeah. particularly at night like at least during the day you're like oh good there it is in the distance or whatever but at night you know it's like the show the movie twister like out of nowhere just just starts tearing things up um, yeah well so the padres are in chicago right now yeah. they're supposed to be playing the cubs game should have started what 10 minutes ago yeah. and uh, now it's a delayed start because of this tornado alert but then in in illinois they say if you don't like the weather wait 10 minutes because uh, it's going to change. <laughs> so that's what's going to this. This wind's going to it's going to wipe on through and then it's going to be clear skies and the weather wind's going to be blowing out. Jose Azokar is going to hit his first career major league home run today. I'm calling it nice. And It'll be wind blowing and we won't care because it's still a bomb. Yeah, but the only thing that we can't see tonight is Estuary Ruiz doing his thing because yeah. the uh, the Chihuahuas and everybody else in the minor leagues are off on Mondays. Are off and uh you know it's funny i watched the game last night and he's become for me he's becoming must see like i had to watch every single mckenzie gore start i had to watch just about every uh fernando tatis at bat uh it's been that kind of with that way a little bit with robert hassel the third um mm -hmm. now it's like okay, ooh, oh yeah let's watch the chihuahuas game bam first at bats you know second pitch single into you know single into 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 left CJ Abrams is up. He took a ball. He stole second. Yeah. Abrams hits a single into left. You know, bam, he comes home. Three pitches, and there's action just right, right. off the bat. Right Absolutely. Yeah, now, it's funny because before we started, you were talking about, you know, have people DMing and you were going like, why isn't he up? Like, where is he at? Like, there's a lot. And this is, it's new. You know, this past, this season, it's really when he's really been pouring it on and he's pouring it on absolutely molten lava hot. But yet, you know, there's a lot of moving parts that have to have him come up. There's a lot of reasons why he's not up right now. And there's a big step from AAA to the major leagues. 
Well, there's a big step from double A AA to triple A in the Absolutely. first place. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, so he's been up in, in triple A for a week now. I, it seems like everybody's been going crazy over it, but it's been six games. Yeah. Um, and so now there's, there's experienced coaches and players, pitchers in AAA. There's a lot more data. There's a lot more video uh, record. So now they're going to be able to get a book on him pretty quick. So yeah. I have a feeling he might keep it going for another week or two, but then you're going to see pitchers start to come up with a plan on how to attack him. Plus part of it, he's drawing all the attention. He's the yeah. guy that's making all the flash. So they're the first one. He's the first one they're going to look at like, okay, we don't want him to beat us. Right. So what do we need to do? Okay. Fastball up and in and, you know, they're, they'll come up with a book. So that's what I'm curious to see is once they do that, how does he adjust? How long yeah. does it take for him to, to, to flip the script on them? Yeah. And then that's really when you're, in my opinion, that's when you're going to see, get an idea of just how ready he truly is. Yeah. And even then, when he if he gets the call up to Major League Baseball this year, the the power the power is not going to translate one to one. I mean, no. You see, okay, somebody like Noar Mazzara, he's a grown man. He's been in the major leagues for years. Power has been his calling card since day one. So yeah, he's going to come up, and even we haven't seen a home run out of him yet. Right, but we, we know that there's. 500 foot, you know, Homer power in there. Abrams, he's, he's wiry or not Abrams. Uh, uh, Ruiz is, is wiry strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, Abrams is too. Yeah. So, and that's not what his game, his game isn't built around loft and just getting power behind it. It's right. It's contact. He's a contact heavy kind of guy. And he just has the right kind of bat plane. He's, he's, he's approaching the ball at the right plane where he can drive it. And if he gets a hold of one, it'll go. But that's not what he's trying to do. So, right. and and then major league pitching, the the movement is so subtle. I, I it's it's not going to translate. It's going to take a while. It's great to be excited about it, and it's it's fantastic to see. But you're absolutely right. I, watching the game last night, watching almost any game. So within minutes, it was six zero. And Taylor Callaway hit a bomb. It seems like you make contact in El Paso, the ball just flies and. The ball in the major, you know, they're using the same ball uh, that the major league teams are. Maybe a year difference, so there might be some small play in the uh, variance of the ball. But for the most part, they're using the same ball that the major leagues are, are seeing. But the ballparks, the environments are different in, you know, in Texas, in, in the Pacific Coast League. So, I mean, it was 6-0 by the second inning or so. And then by the end of the game, they lost they're like 8-6. to six, And just the ball carries. Well, and I should also point out that he hit he's hit three home runs at Triple A so far. All three of those came in Albuquerque, which yeah. is one of the most hitter friendly parks yeah. on the planet. It's like there's Reno, there's Albuquerque, <laughs> and then there's kind of everybody else. The moon, and then there's it along, you know, right next to the moon is Albuquerque. But yeah. let's get on with the show. Um Batting leadoff. So this is cool. This just came out today before I left for work. Uh, Tin cast pitcher Brandon Komar has been awarded the high A Midwest League Pitcher of the Week for June 6th through the 12th. Uh, the Elkhorn, Wisconsin native made two appearances to Fort Wayne series versus the Lake County Captains. That's the Guardians affiliate. In total, Komar posted nine scoreless innings with one hit, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Opponents hit a league low 0 .03. I had to read that again. 0 .037 against him. The Madison College alum made a spot start in the series opener on Tuesday when he faced uh, just two batters for over the minimum in five innings, only once allowing a runner to make it into scoring position. Komar retired 12 batters in a row to end the outing. On Sunday, the right-hander was called up 
uh, called upon out of the bullpen. Komar pitched a perfect four innings to continue a 10 caps, no hit bid that they took into the eighth inning, which we'll also get into later on. The 2019 13th round pick used merely 43 pitches to get through four. Komar improved his Midwest League best scoreless streak to 21 and two-thirds innings, dating back to May 19th. Under the guidance of manager Brian Esposito and pitching coach Jimmy Jones, Komar is a part of a 10-caps pitching staff that currently leads the league in strikeouts, averaging 11.2 per nine innings. Congratulations to Brandon Komar. That's a fantastic week. That's absolutely a fantastic week. Okay, so the next bit of news we've got here, the San Antonio Missions are going to host a jersey auction to benefit Uvalde. Uh, The Missions will wear the Uvalde Coyote High School jerseys to be auctioned off with proceeds going to the Rob School Memorial Fund. Uh, I I like when when teams do the fun things with the jersey. I know the the tin caps like to do uh, Harry Potter night. The Chihuahuas, we're going to get to this about their ridiculous SpongeBob promotion, which I love. Um, And and there's always some kind of a charity that benefits from it, but this one is particularly salient. Um, San Antonio is the closest affiliated uh, location to Uvalde. Um, I think they're only about an hour. I think it's, it's kind of almost like a suburb of San Antonio in a way. It's a little ways out of town, but still. It's, it's right there. So anyway, right. so San Antonio, the San Antonio Missions Baseball Club in partnership with Wilson Sporting Goods and the Uvalde CISD will wear custom Uvalde baseball jerseys on Thursday, June 16th. These on-field jerseys will be auctioned off uh, during and following the game with proceeds being donated to the Rob School Memorial Fund. The jersey design is a replica of the jerseys worn by the Uvalde Coyotes high school baseball team and is being supplied by Wilson Sporting Goods. Wilson's extraordinary efforts in making what is normally a two-month process work in less than two weeks to produce the jerseys was vital in making the event uh, to benefit the Uvalde community happen. So that's that's an important point. Right? It, it, so the process of taking a design and right. getting the, the jerseys made and delivered usually takes a couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. So, quote, Uvalde has special meaning for the missions. Wolf Stadium has hosted numerous groups outings and even Coyote baseball playoff games, said missions president Burl Yarbrough and friend of the podcast. Very right. Anything we can we as an organization can do in this awful situation to help provide for the Uvalde community. We are honored to do so. Fans in attendance of the missions game versus the Amarillo sod poodles on Thursday, June 16th, will be able to bid throughout the game on the Uvalde jerseys worn by the missions. The auction will conclude 15 minutes following the game's final out quote on behalf of the entire Uvalde CISD. We express our gratefulness for the support of the San Antonio missions said Uvalde CISD superintendent, Dr. Hal Harrell. Uh, We are heartbroken at the innocent lives lost. The Uvalde CISD administration, staff, and families will forever be thankful for the generous support of the community and nation. We believe in ourselves, pray for a brighter future, and together we are hashtag Uvalde strong. Yeah, that's sweet. When I came out on Twitter, I had to, you know, quote, tweet it and go, this is, you know, this is my organization. I'm I'm so grateful and so proud to have, to cover those guys, you know. It's just, it's really neat to see. It's really um you know, minor league baseball more than I think even more than major league baseball, such a community partner. Sure, the major league baseball is bigger and has bigger, larger corporate sponsorships or whatever. But you know, when it's when there's no major sport in that area, your minor league ball clubs, your minor league hockey teams, all the minor league, you know, kind of major sports are the community leader, are the community uh sport for for lack of a better term. So 
even you know uh, the San Antonio Spurs are there, but it's I guess they didn't make you know they're not around because it's not basketball season yet. Right, and I mean or it's end. you you nobody needs to experience a tragedy like this, yeah. and yeah, I, I hope things are being done to to prevent things like this from happening again. Um, but if there's any bright spot of it, it seems like the community of Uvalde really has kind of come together through all of this. Uh, and so something like this is a, is a really neat promotion. So if you're in the San Antonio area, make sure you get to the game. That's this coming Thursday, yeah. uh, June 16th, uh, get in there and bid on the Jersey. And uh, you know, if, if you win something, you'll have something cool to wear and, and you'll be supporting a, your community. Absolutely. So let's move on to transactions. I know, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is at the beginning of when we had this agenda, it was last week. Sorry, we missed last week. It just uh, didn't line up. I, uh, I had a game on two, Monday night and then Roy, uh, you know, the Roy was busy and we just we just couldn't line up. So we appreciate you guys waiting a week to hear from us. Um, you know, as we was sent from double A to triple A that we've already talked about. And then during that same week, uh, Robert Hassel, the third went under went under COVID protocols and everyone's like, oh, my God, he's going up to double A. I think I even I subtweeted it. He's in he's headed to uh, San Antonio. But he wasn't. So it only it only made sense. It seemed like the logical yeah. thing. He's been killing it in single A. It's only a matter of time till he goes up to double A. So your double A center fielder is going up to triple A. Yeah. Somebody's got to take his spot. So so far it's been Thomas Malone. He's gotten some extra playing time lately. Good for him. Uh, Robert Hassel. He just came back. I mean, as we're going to touch on, he just came oh, back yeah. and and made an impression. Um, there have been a few other notable transactions. Uh, the Padres selected the contract of Kyle Tyler. So he finally got off the, uh, the, the, the whirling DFA train of death. I mean, God, what an adventure that guy's been on. He got DFA'd what, like four or five times in the off season, angels, Padres, Red Sox, angels, again, Padres again. So now he's finally up with the big league team out there in Ch- yeah. in Chicago. Uh, Reese Kinnear dodging, got caught up. Tornadoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's dodging a different tornado. Uh, Reese Kinnear got called up, yeah. and that surprised me. I I guess he was, and he wasn't even like the twenty seventh man for the uh, doubleheader. He was called up to to take a spot in the bullpen, and he wound up carrying a pretty heavy load the other day when Blake Snell's outing wound up being a little shorter. Yeah, and did really well. Four and what? Four and two thirds innings, no hit ball or no runs. Yeah, totally I mean, surprised me because honestly, yeah. he's been pretty rough in in AAA. Yeah. Um, you know, his his. I was looking at his game logs, and it's been he's been getting touched up. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if maybe that's part of the offensive environment, uh, part of you know, the defense that's behind him because he's kind of more of a ground ball pitcher. Um, so you get a good a good defense behind you. You're you're avoiding the hard contact. One thing he hasn't done a whole lot of is give up home runs. Um, so yeah, good for him. Um, and Brent Rooker got called up. I, I st- I'm still not sure if Brent Rooker, a lot of people think he's kind of a, kind of a, a ghost. He doesn't actually <laughs> exist because he keeps getting called up and then they send him right back down. Right, doesn't even like, they didn't show him in the dugout. Like I, I had to wait for someone to score a run last week. Like, I, Oh, there it is. Booker. There he is. Yeah, who's the face I don't recognize? Okay, there, right. that must be Rooker. <laughs> right? Um, and this, God, give the guy an at bat. Come on, Flaherty. I know, right? Give him a, just a token at bat so he can yeah. get in there and say he did it at least once this year. I know he's got some major league service time. It's not like you know, first time ever, but still, throw the guy a bone. Come on now, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so let's move on. So, um, oh, and Robinson Cano is back. 
which we is a whole spoken. other episode. We can episode that for uh, forever. Yeah, and he is gonna tear it up in AAA. He's gonna look like King Kong in AAA. Well, and and there and there lies the reason why. Why? I mean, I, that's funny. I was talking about this on my game yesterday. Some of the guys, and I'm like, the only thing I can think of is it's nice to have that kind of veteran leadership on a AAA team to show guys how to do it. Uh, maybe he does get some consistent at bats, which we always talk about. You know, the minor league guys that don't do well up in the major leagues, you know, they need to go in on AAA, get consistent at bats, kind of find it. Uh, and if he still has it, maybe he gets called up later. I, I don't see him getting called up later on. I, I just don't see it. The, you know, the, the angle that kind of makes sense and makes me a little bit nervous is if they're not sure about the long-term prospects of Tatis's wrist. He just okay. had his, uh, he had a, a CT scan today. Uh, they're going to get the results on that. And, and, you know, apparently his bats traveled out to Chicago. Uh, so if everything looks good, he can start swinging a bat, but that bone is particularly slow to heal. So if there's concern about him coming back, then, okay, you've got Cano in triple a, um, you know, like you said, give him a couple weeks, a month worth of at bats and maybe he finds his groove and, and it's back. I, I don't know. I don't know. And the hitting is such a nefarious, it's such a nebulous thing. Right. Right. And, but then you got guys down there like, you know, Taylor Callway and, and Matt, Matthew Batten that are holding their own hitting for average. Um, you know, Batten can play all over the field uh, that deserve a cup of coffee. They deserve a look like, let's see what we got there at the very least. Use those guys as trade bait, bring them up. I mean, I know he's not, you know, never mind on the 40 man and you'd have to make a roster move. But I mean, Al, is it you know, Jose Alcantara? I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Uh, Our backup, backup infielder. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Sergio Alcantara. Sergio Alcantara, <laughs> like, like that. You know, I just don't understand that when you can be rewarding guys that are doing well in AAA, uh, and therein lies, and we talk about it all the time, guys that. Probably deserve to move up to be uh, to get more playing time. Don't get it. All I can figure there is that they, you know, that those guys have a little bit of major league experience. They're not going to get overwhelmed by it the moment. Right. If there's if they're on the bases, they're not going to run into an out doing something dumb because they just had an absent minded moment uh, because there's forty thousand people screaming at them. Yeah. Um. I that that's the best I can figure, but. You know, all those guys can do is just keep killing it in AAA, and and eventually that chance will come. Um, and I mean, Asturi Ruiz, he's forcing his hand, and yeah. nobody was talking about him two months ago, and now people know his name. Yeah. Um, he's going to get an opportunity somewhere as long as he keeps this up. Absolutely. But let's move on. So, and what we're going to talk about this last week was the AZL League started in all its molten lava, kind <laughs> of hundred and six degree. Game times, Jesus, unreal. Yeah, they start the games at like six o'clock at night yeah. because they're trying to beat the heat, and even then, it's 115 degrees yeah. outside. All right, so this came, uh, this is uh, this came from Jeff. This is uh, this come from Jeff Sanders, I think it did. For the record, uh, for the second year in a row, the Potters will start up their international top international amateur arm in the rookie level Arizona Complex League to start this to start his professional career. Makes sense. Jarlin Susana is already 18 years old, sat out last year while waiting to sign with the Padres for $1.7 million and has done nothing but impress the Padres player development staff since joining the organization. 
He's got a very gifted arm, Padres minor league field coordinator Mark Connor said. We think he's ready to step up and pitch at this level, and it's good for his growth and development. Victor Lizarraga has signed for $1 million as one of the Padres' blue chippers from the 2021 class and was 17 when he assigned him to the Arizona Rookie League uh, last year. At the same time, Chris Kemp's international staff was circling Susanna, a six foot six, two point uh, twenty two hundred, excuse me, two hundred and twenty five pound right hander with a fastball that touches 99 miles an hour, a late breaking slider, a hammer curve, and a hard sinking changeup. Boy, that all sounds really good. Might want to call him right up. The bullpen needs some help, right? Right, right, right. At eighteen years old. <laughs> But six foot six, 225 pounds at 18 years old. My goodness. Kid's a monster. Yeah, he's going to be Caesar's Mathia in no time. I, no, 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 no. Okay. Let's, let's keep him on the, on the lean diet. <laughs> Don't introduce him to, to Whataburger and in and out right. and all of that yet. <laughs> right. So, anyways, moving on. The Padres could not fit Susanna in last year's budget, but added him to this year's class via the largest bonus given to an international amateur pitcher this year. Susanna was Baseball America's top-ranked pitcher in 2022's international class and number 17 overall. Among the Padres signees, only he and infielder Ramon uh, Rosman Verdugo will start their careers in the Arizona Complex League, which begins last Monday. The Dominican Summer League also started last Monday as well. Right, and so a a point right there is that usually the international guys spend at least a year often two or three years in the Dominican summer league before we even hear about him stateside. So the yeah. fact that they're bringing a couple of teenagers over to play in the Arizona league, uh, especially with as little experience as those guys have speaks to just how, how polished they are already as, as prospects. Yeah. And, and you guys got to know this, that people go to the DSL, the Dominican summer league, and they never leave the Island pitchers, hitters. It, it takes it's so much just to become a professional baseball player you can be in an academy and blow guys away all day or hit bombs all day and do all that stuff and have all this raw talent but if you can't put it in game situations and learn how to become you know a professional ball player you know it it takes a lot so you may say oh it's a small step going from the dsl into the arizona league sure it is kind of in, in the overall scheme of things but it's kind of a big deal and it says a lot for the padres to do that with these two guys for sure He's truly got three pitches, Connor said of Susanna, and for his age, he's really around the strike zone. It's definitely a power arsenal that's very advanced for an 18-year-old. Even there, he's really around the strike zone. I mean, he's probably throwing it pretty damn hard, and it's not always for a strike. Connor added, he's ready for this challenge. So also there, when they get in the Arizona League, you get with a lot of the, you know, I don't want to say higher quality team, you know, uh, coaches, but you certainly get a lot more uh, personal instruction with guys that, you know, are going to set the foundation are, are going to continue with the foundation from that set in the DSL, where just, you know, have a little bit finer tuned. eye, I would think. Well, and plus on top of that, these guys are getting their introduction to American culture. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Jarlene Susana is from the Dominican Republic. Um, I don't know if he's had a chance to travel at all, but you know, a lot of these guys, it's, the language, the food, you know, just the basic, you know, day-to-day stuff off the field. Um, that's as much of a challenge as the stuff on the field for a lot of these guys. Yeah. So too, our outfielder Samuel Zavala and shortstop Victor Acosta, and quite frankly, Daniel Montanisto, Montesino, Montesino, Montesino. Uh, if he hadn't undergone Tommy John surgery, 
The top bats from the 2021 International Class also posted on-base percentages of at least 400 in last year's Dominican Summer League, which will start this year in Arizona. Acosta and Zavala, both still 17 as the league starts, are ranked number 10 and 11, respectively, among Padres prospects, according to MLB.com. The switch hitting Acosta hit 285, 431, 484 with five homers and 26 steals in 33 attempts in 56 games last summer. He's been a fun one to watch since spring training, even going back to instructs, Connor said. Very talented, good hands, loose actions. Seeing him in extended spring training, he is growing maturity-wise, mentally, and with how he goes about his business and the focus he has. He has been very impressive to watch. The left-handed hitting Zavala hit 297, 400, 487 with three homers and 11 steals in 55 games last summer in the Dominican Republic. A very intelligent young man with a good head on his shoulders, very talented with the bat, and has a knack for finding the barrel. Connor said, it's an easy swing with good pitch recognition. The power is starting to emerge, and defensively, he's got very good instincts. He's a fluid mover and has the ability to play all three outfield positions. He had a so really good spring. There's already a few guys to, to watch right there. Um, so Acosta and then Rosman Verdugo, he's from Ensenada. So it sounds like those guys are going to be the double play combination pretty much every day out there in, in, uh, in Peoria. Um, and then Zavala out there arranging in the outfield. Uh, yeah. You've got some pretty good position players yeah. out there. The, the baby Padres. You know, I, I, you know, when we were at spring training this last year, I made it a note and I didn't get to see too many drills of trying to find those guys in their field and watch what they were doing. But most of the time they were just hitting infield, uh, not a lot of game action because the game started the same time the major league game started. Mm-hmm. So I never got to see any real game uh, game action, but I tried to spend a little bit of time over there at the at the field there and watch those guys. It was kind of fun. Well, and I like being out there early in the day too, though when yeah. when they're doing the drills, doing taking infield and all that, because you you see a different side of it. But when you're watching a game, you might see somebody only make one or two plays in right. a whole game. Yeah, you know, they might an outfielder might only have a couple mm-hmm. balls hit to them, and they might be just you know straight up straightforward plays. They don't get the opportunity to show off the arm or show off their range where when they're when they're doing the drills, you see who's taking it seriously. Uh, but you just kind of see how people move and how accurate the arm is. You see, you know, if they put a little bit behind it, you get an idea how much zip they really have behind it. Um, I, I just I love it back there. Yeah, absolutely. Backfields. Yep. So um, everybody's getting their whole preview stuff going on for the Arizona Summer League and the Dominican League. Um, I. I love following Ben Badler. He does a great job with all the international stuff uh, on uh, Baseball America. So he wrote his article, 25 Pitching Prospects to Watch in the Dominican Summer League. And number 11 on his list was Brian Salazar, left-handed pitcher for the Padres. Uh, He says, Salazar continues to trend in the right direction, usually in the mid-80s and touching the upper 90s during the tryout process in Venezuela. Salazar has now reached 92 miles an hour. Given the physical projection in his six foot three frame, along with his whippy fast arm speed, there should be more velocity hikes in the future. He has the look of an athletic left-handed starter with a good mechanical operation and feel for a slider that could develop into a swing and miss pitch. Um, uh, Mad Friars does a pretty good job uh, of especially Ryan Payne in particular. He seems to pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the Dominican league. So keep an eye on their, their daily write-ups. You don't get video. You don't get, eyes on those guys really all you have to go by are box scores but every once in a while you'll get a nugget out there and i know ryan Payne does a pretty good job of gathering all that stuff up Um, so follow them for the dominican summer league updates and we'll try to share whatever we can 
yeah, we got a little bit of the AZL stuff now in the in the uh, affiliate agenda, but yeah, d- absolutely. So moving on, uh, Jeff Sanders wrote a piece for Baseball America. I guess the UT wasn't uh, so keen on having the uh, Estrue Ruiz article in there, but it was. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I, I figure with that, it's like he he kind of the major league stuff and the high level right. stuff really applies for. So maybe the UT readers didn't know who Estrue Ruiz was before the last week or two, maybe they're starting to know who he is now. Maybe they want to know, Oh, what about CJ Abrams? What about Camposano CJ or as Ruiz? He's not on the top 10 list, so I don't right. care. Well, right. now you should start paying attention. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, um, Padres as Ruiz succeeds with new approach. One underlying metric suggests that the six foot 169 pound Ruiz who was acquired from the Royals in July, seven, uh, July, 2017 traded with the Royals. That also knitted Matt Strom and Travis Wood. That was a horribly spoken paragraph. <laughs> Be kind to yourself, sir. God. Ruiz cut his chase rate from 29.8 last year percent to 19.7, a development not all that different from Jose Azucar's strides while working with the missions hitting coach, friend of the podcast, Raul Padron, last year. Azucar is now in the big leagues, uh, doing quite well, I think, as well, surprisingly. Um, the biggest thing is he saw what happened with his buddy, Jose Azucar, uh, Antonio, uh, San Antonio manager, Philip Wellman said, all he did was hammer his chase rate and strike zone discipline. Jose lowered his chase rate tremendously. And now so is Estrui. So when we've talked to players in the off season and we're asking them like, okay, what things are they working on? What are they coaching you about? What are they, what are they asking you about during the season? Chase rate is always something that's brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I would think that maybe Jose Azokar getting this opportunity that he has is partly due to his strides that he's made in that one metric that they focus so hard on. Um, and so now we're seeing that with the story. Uh, so maybe he's going to kind of follow that same kind of a path. Yeah. You know, real quick. And, and you saw that progression with Azokar when he came up like, all right, here comes an automatic out or like he's a defensive replacement. But as he got more at bats, he got better. And and you just saw it went from a little fister into this into the outfield into you know doubles down the line. So um, it development works. It does. <laughs> you know these guys are important. Yeah, so he's, he's always never, a tough out. I love that yeah. about Azokar that he's yeah. he's never an easy out. He's not afraid to walk because if he walks, he's going to steal second and probably third and put himself in a good position to score. And when he gets his pitch, he's not missing it. To Wellman's point, Ruiz has walked thirty times against thirty eight strikeouts lowering his strikeout rate from as high as 29 when he stole 49 bases in low A Midwest League in 2018 to 18% this year. As such, Ruiz plus speed was on display. His 37 stolen base led the Texas League and ranked second in the minor leagues to fellow prospect, Padres prospect, Max Ferguson. He's just locked in right now, Wellman said. The last thing a team wants to do is walk him because they know what's coming after that. He can fly. <laughs> And that was written last week. I'm, you know, he stole a bag last night. So he's at the very least got 30, 38. I'm sure he's up to 40 by now. He is at 40, at 40. and Max Ferguson is at 38. I just checked that this morning. Uh, Cause somebody, I, I don't remember who it is, but one of the national MILB writers uh, put that out there. And somebody's like, Holy cow. Somebody has 38, 40 stolen bases already. I say, yeah, he has 40 Ferguson has 38. Nobody else in all of affiliated ball has more than 30. Nobody in the major leagues. I think the leader right now has 17 right now. So these guys are running wild, but on top of that, they're not getting caught. Yeah. 
Okay, so in in nice, timely fashion, Mad Friars also spoke to Philip Wellman, uh, and there were some really good nuggets from this. So Mad Friars, you had a story, this is talking to Philip Wellman, uh, manager at San Antonio. Um, You had a story, Ruiz, last year. What has been his biggest improvement this season? Wellman, his strike zone discipline and just narrowing it down and swinging at good pitches. We challenged him at the beginning of the year because we saw and understood his talent. He had a good year last year until he broke his finger and never got it going again when he returned. His chase rate last year was 30%, and in 2019, it was 36%. This season, he's sitting at 23, which is well under the major league average. Uh, Matt Friars, the gain is easy for me to write, and I know what you and hitting coach Raul Padron are bright guys always preach swing at good pitches for everyone, but what clicked with Asturi? Well, then, absolutely. I don't think it becomes serious uh, to someone until you emphasize it. We bring in a story in every two weeks and look at his chase rate because it was two weeks ago, 22% two weeks ago, and now it's 23%. We want to nip that in the bud. He's chased a few times in the last series, uh, but that was with two strikes. We want to reemphasize and bring it back into focus. I would love a story to finish with a 20% chase rate, 10% below the major league average. That's why he's walking so much. That's why he's getting on base so much. It's why he's stealing so many bases because of his improved plate discipline. And I love this next part. Uh, so bad uh, fire says he's arrogant on the bases. Lo- that's a good word. Arrogant. Right. arrogant. Uh, Wellman. Yes, he is. He has the mind of a thief. Everyone in the ballpark knows that he will run. Asturi doesn't care. He knows who he is and is very bright at looking at tells. From how many looks to when a guy breathes and settles, he picks up on it all. He follows sequences if it's a fastball or a slider. If it's a breaking pitch, he's going. He's very intelligent. And I wonder, that kind of stuff right there, that's the kind of stuff that Ricky Henderson was really a master of. He right. knew when to go. He knew when the pitcher was taking that extra breath. He could see the little, the little things to know yeah. when the pitcher's win was his best chance to go. What, what count is a breaking ball count? When are they trying to put one in the dirt? When it, and, and that's when he would go. That's because it, yeah, he was crazy aggressive, but he was also clever like a fox. He knew. Yeah. He knew. Yeah. And in the major leagues, you don't steal, you know, you, you, you steal on the pitcher, but they're so good. Even when you try to steal on the pitcher, they can throw you out. So you got to know those little, the, the minutia to that is just another tool in his tool belt that, you know, that's going to be stellar coming in the future. Right. And that kind of awareness is what impressed me when, when we first saw Tatis and watching Gabriel Arias. Uh, when I saw him in, in, in Lake Elsinore that you see that these guys have that next level of awareness of watching yeah. somebody. I mean, you see Tatis when he's scoring from third base on a, on a flip throw back into second base and, and the, the second baseman's got his shoulders turned the wrong way. So he knows that he can't make that strong throw. He's got to at that, those little things. Yeah. I don't know how guys have the, it's like a spidey sense that they have. It's, it's rare. Baseball IQ. For sure. Okay, so uh, defensively, he can run and has a decent arm. However, it looks like he's taking much better routes from last year. Wellman, he is, and I think that comes with experience. Last year, I wouldn't have called him an average outfielder, and he played mainly in left field. Between all of last year, winter ball, and spring training, just the number of reps he has gotten since then has helped him get much better reads and angles. And with his athletic ability, he's now an excellent defensive outfielder. So all of you out there that are wondering, Okay, where does he fit? Where can he play? Is he okay? He's only been playing uh, outfield, you know, for a couple of years. How good is he? Sounds like he's finally turning the corner to being a legit plus defender. And another interesting thing that came out of that article, um, 
I didn't know this. He grew up as an outfielder. It wasn't until oh, yeah. he was signed by the Kansas City Royals that they asked him to start playing infield. And so that kind of explains a lot to me about the throwing issues that he had yeah. at second base uh, when he was coming up, that he was so wild at second base. And I only ever played outfield. My dad taught me to throw over the top because that's right. how you get more carry on a, on a ball coming in from outfield. But then the couple of times that I was able to talk my way into playing to third base and the ball would come to me, I would just sail it over the first baseman's head because I'm throwing over the top. I don't have that accurate, short, quick sidearm motion. Uh, and it's not something that after playing baseball for years, like Asturi has, I, I, that's got to be a tough adjustment to make. So that explains a lot of the throwing issues to me. It does. And the pile of that, Jerickson Profar talked about that when going from the infield to the outfield, why are you throwing out all these guys? I changed the way I threw the baseball. It's a different throw. It's a different arm angle. It's a different release point. It's different altogether than throwing across the diamond to throwing it from the outfield into the infield. Now, this just came in. So Will Holder on Twitter asked Mad Friars if if Israel Ruiz could come in and maybe be a fourth infielder for the Padres. And, and you know, or is he strictly an outfielder now? And what David J said was, well, what Madfire said, I thought he was below average last year in San Antonio and left. And this year I thought he was a plus defender in center. He was, he has improved as much defensively as he has on the offensive end. John Conniff, David J chimed in the number of times words like focus, intentional discipline and committed have come up in conversations about his progress. is quite noticeable. He deserves a ton of credit for turning the defects in his game into assets. That's what you do. You turn your defects. You don't strengthen your strengths. You strengthen your weaknesses. And that's what the difference between in, in minor league baseball, the pitchers, they pitch to their strengths in major league baseball. They pitch to the hitters weaknesses. Hence they talk about chase rate and they talk about, you know, you know, you just throw it out, you know, front door slider to Phil Nevin. He's going to swing right over it. Well, and hearing, hearing guys like David Jay and John Conniff say those kinds of words, yeah. it, they've developed a really good relationship with a lot of these coaches. They've been around long enough, and they've, they've got that relationship to see eye to eye, um, and they have these conversations that are kind of off the record. Um, and so when you hear those words coming up, you, that's, they're not just saying that to create a fluff piece and, and pump no. somebody up. That means that the, the coaching staff really is impressed with the work that they're putting in, and they, they see that in them. Absolutely. So let's get on to the affiliate rundown. Woo! Long first half. Yeah, we're chugging right. But hey, we've had a lot of fun stuff to cover. This is great. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's start of the AZL. Strike one. Monday. Tonight it was a brisk 103 degrees at 6 p.m. And they played seven innings. So a lot of these times they are. They're only playing seven innings. As of now, the ACL Padres have only 15 active pitchers, plus the converting Justin Lopez. That's going to be an interesting story to follow all season. It, it will be. Stay tuned. More to come uh, on the roster. So it wouldn't be surprising to see shorter games at times. Outfielder Joshua Mears is in the is with the ACL Padres for now as he makes his way back from being placed on the development list. He went over three with a strikeout. Short okay, I got the. They finally brought back after a year of calling it double A. Central and no. low A West. Right. Now they're they're finally calling them the tradition. Can we stop calling it the ACL? Everybody knows that it's in the complex. So right. now just I'm reading this and my eyes see Joshua Mears and then ACL and I'm going, oh no, what did he do to his knee? Right. The Arizona complex against the Arizona League. Period. 
Sure, just call it Anything. that. That works. Right. Arizona ADL. Summer League, Arizona something, not ACL. That's yeah. no that uh too close to ligaments. So after Joshua Mears went 0 for 3 with the strikeout, shortstop Victor Acosta made his stateside debut and went 1 for 3 with a run scored. Acosta, who turns 18 on June 10th, this just last weekend, um, played 56 games for the DSL Padres last season, hitting 258, 431, 484. Ruben Salinas had a pair of hits and drove in the only two runs for the Padres. The 19-year-old signed with Padres in November of 2019 for 800,000. After a rough outing from starter Henry Baez, lefty Javier Chacon, Chasson came in and pitched well. Chasson, 19, allowed just one hit to go with five strikeouts over three and two-thirds innings. One of the things I like about this time of year is we start hearing all these new names. Yeah. So then it's like you have to start kind of making little mental notes about, uh, you know, pick up each of those names and when am I going to hear them again? And okay, now I remember hearing that guy a week or two ago. Well, the Henry okay. Baez, I almost just automatically said Henry Henry. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> okay, so strike two. Uh, Tuesday, heralded right-hander Jarlin Susana made his stateside debut in a shutout victory for the Padres. The six-foot-six, two hundred and thirty-pound, eighteen-year-old allowed just two base runners across three innings, notching a pair of strikeouts. James Wood returned to action with an 0 for 3. Uh, Wood's working back from a wrist injury that has sidelined him twice already this season. Given continued good health, he should rejoin Lake Elsinore roster quickly. Joshua Mears hit a first inning home run against rehabbing lefty Eric Scogland. Righty Manuel Castro uh, claimed victory with four shutout innings. Castro from Sinaloa, Mexico, worked to a 1.04 ERA in the Dominican Summer League last year. So Joshua Mears hitting a home run off of a major league pitcher that yeah. is noteworthy. This isn't, you know, some, some kid fresh off the boat. Um, you know, this is somebody who knows what he's doing. You don't know where he's at in his rehab, but you know, still good for him. Absolutely. And uh, who hit the home run again this year uh, against Kershaw, Justin. Oh, no, a farmer, just Justin yeah. farmer. Yeah. Justin farmer. Hell yeah. <laughs> which, which is huge, which is anything, you know, which is something to put on your tool belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something to put yeah. on the mantle. I He could just be working on getting the feel for his slider and trying to land it for strikes, and he hangs one. But it doesn't matter. You hit it's, a home run off somebody who's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown. Yeah. Have have a day. Yeah, absolutely. So strike three Thursday, James Wood went one for four as he works his way back to the storm. And Josh Ramirez, who was over four, as he continues to get work in after returning from the development list. Uh, Walkie Lazan delivered two plus innings of perfect ball, striking out three batters in his debut. Eddie Beltre, who popped a pair of doubles in his third game of the ACL action. See, the word popped and ACL in the same sentence doesn't fly. Ooh. The 2021 signing from Santo Domingo hit 295 with the 869 OPS and 112 at bats in the DSL last season. Switch hitting Justine uh, Diaz hit his second professional home run and first stateside. Right-hander Riley Yeatman gave up six earned runs while getting only one out in his professional debut. He allowed three hits, including a home run, walked one, and hit two batters before striking out the last batter he faced. The best part about the Arizona Complex League, the score doesn't matter. It's all development. (laughs) Yeah, you tell him that for a certain amount of time, and then eventually starts to catch up on you. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. So moving on to Lake Elsinore. Wait, wait, hold on. I need to. Ba- okay, so the the, the the third name you said in that one, Walky Lezan. Maybe it's Walky, like Balky. I don't know, but W A L K I. 
that's a rough name for a for a baseball pitcher. It's like Bob Walk. Lezon. Wicky Lezon. Like Wiki like Gonzalez back yeah, in the day. Yeah, Wiki Gonzalez. That's fine. But Wiki Gonzalez was a catcher. He wasn't the one that's supposed to be striking guys out. Yeah. Oh man, Walkie! If he if he starts going out there and walking some guys, man, he's gonna hear it from the uh, from the the peanut gallery. Well, who was the Australian guy, uh, Grant Balfour? Yes, B A L F A O U R Balfour. Yeah, Balfour, <laughs> right? I remember him because he would get on the mound and he would cuss himself out. Yeah. He would he would just get so mad and animated, and you could just see the f bombs coming out, and they were, it was all self directed. No, I think he has since then. I think he's a partial owner for one of the Australian league teams back in Australia. I thought I saw that and tucked it away in my brain somewhere a long time ago. Yeah, that rings a bell. Okay, so Lake Elsinore, uh, strike one Wednesday. Bodie Rascon's first start of the month was a good one. The lefty from Texas only struck out one, but allowed just one earned run for the third straight start. In 29 and a third innings, Rascon has pitched to a 4.30 ERA. First baseman Cole Cummings had three hits, including his second triple of the season. Cole Cummings is have, quietly having a yeah. pretty solid year. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for him to get the call up to, yeah. to high A. He's a little of the on the older side. He's a college guy, so I'm not expecting him to spend a whole lot of time in, in single A. Undrafted out of Santa Barbara. Right. Um, so designated hitter Carlos Luis collected his first multi-hit game in nearly two weeks after missing three straight contests. Luis, 22, has shown a drastically better ability to hit for average and has considerably increased his walk rate this year. And every once in a while, he'll get into one. And when he does, yeah. see ya. Yeah, it goes far. And, and that's kind of what they're waiting for right now with him is, is to bring that power along with the, with the uh, average. So strike two Friday, Garrett Hawkins had undergone, had an uneven outing Friday, but his performance was good enough to notch his third victory of the year. Hawkins started out hot, striking out the side in order. In the second inning, he allowed two runs on four singles. In the third, he allowed a long home run to Vaughn Brown, who is third in the league with 13 bombs. Hawkins That's a pretty seven, good name. That's a pretty good baseball name. Right? Vaughn Brown. Vaughn now Brown. coming up to bat, Vaughn Brown. Brown, Brown. Hawkins settled down after that and completed five innings. Now, the thing I've noticed with Garrett is if he doesn't have a slider, if he doesn't have any secondary pitches, they catch up to the fastball. And if you notice, all those are singles. They're not making too much hard contact or they're not, you know, they're not driving the ball into the gaps, but they're hitting the ball out of the infield for singles. So, you know, the game when I saw him last, um, you know, it was a fisted single over the second baseman. It was a dribbler, you know, a thousand dribbler up the middle and then a strong single, you know, into left. So it, it, it's just he has to get those secondary pitches in line. And he talked about that when we talked to him, when I talked to him uh, up in Lake Elsinore. A death by a thousand paper cuts. Pretty much. Ben Miller pitched the final two innings to notch his fourth save of the year. The 22-year-old has pitched well out of the bullpen for Lake Elsinore this year. In 22 and two-thirds innings, he has a 1.99 ERA with 20 strikeouts. First baseman Cole Cummings, another name up and coming, no pun intended, got the storm on the board in the first inning with a two-run shot off the scoreboard and right. It was his fifth homer of the season for Cummings. Now, that's not right field. That scoreboard is really left center. I mean, it's really the deepest, almost the deepest part of the ballpark. Right, because you got that big wall in right field, and then yeah. it's it's past that. Okay, so strike three on Saturday, the Storm rallied to put three runs on the board in the ninth inning as Kirvin Pichardo had the game-winning bases-loaded single. Max Ferguson now has 38 stolen bases in 41 attempts. Cole Cummings, 23, who always seems to find a way to contribute, reached base five times with 
two hits and three walks. He now has a 408 on base percentage. Victor Lizarraga continued to impress, allowing only two hits over five frames, though he needed 94 pitches to do it as he matched a season high with four walks. At only 18, he's turned a 3.71 ERA to lead Lake Elsinore starters. That's that's pretty significant. Leading leading your team, leading your staff as an 18-year-old. Probably yeah. one of the youngest guys at the level right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and so the walk stuff like that, that's that's fine. He's 18 years old. Right. Uh, moving on to Fort Wayne, strike one Wednesday, Robert Gazzard bounced back big time from his last two starts where he gave up a combined 12 earned runs. Ouch. The University of Houston alum showed why the Padres took him 71st overall in the 2021 draft, scattering four hits and one run over seven innings, striking out a career-high 11 both career highs in innings and strikeouts. He tied Jackson Wolf for most strikeouts by a 10 caps pitcher. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, with 11 punch outs, he is now second in the league with 68 strikeouts. That's 11.8 K per nine. And you've got a note here. Corey Rozier yeah. was reinstated from COVID list Friday after being placed on it June 1st. Even with the missed time, he still ranks second in the Midwest League in runs with 38, fourth in walks with 34, and fifth in stolen bases with 18. He's also fifth in strikeout-to-walk ratio and seventh in walk percentage. They had a whole bunch of guys yeah. come get, I guess, test positive with COVID. I don't know if anybody had symptoms, uh, just like what we're seeing in the in the Padres dugout right now. You've got you've got the manager, the bench coach. Uh, you've got Clevenger and Morahone. Yeah. Um, so something's sweeping around. And I guess we're seeing it around the country that there's this, this wave, this kind of, and it sounds like it's not from an illness standpoint, it's not as severe as the past ones, but right. still when somebody tests positive, they're going through the protocol, they're isolating them and, you know, just trying to minimize the spread. So it doesn't take the whole team out. Double A, like they last, last, if we were to podcast last week, we were talked about how the whole weekend series was canceled because everyone on the missions got COVID. Right. That was what Saturday that they came out and said that. Yeah, and then they yeah. said, yeah, let's just can Sunday too, because we're not going to. And then they had to cobble together, uh, sign a couple of free agents. I think they even made a trade with the Dodgers to pick up a guy yeah. just to field a roster. Okay. So on strike two Friday, Jackson Wolf was site was solid with five innings of one run ball. Sam Keating spun two scoreless to bridge the gap. Relievers Fred Schlick tolls and Luke Boyd teamed up to combine to complete the ninth inning. Haven't heard Fred Schlick tolls name a whole lot. I think he's been rehabbing from injury. So yeah. glad to hear him back out there. Uh, Schlick tolls had worked a perfect one and a third prior. Wyatt Hoffman uh, collected his first hit as a tin cap. Hoffman, the son of Hall of Famer Trevor Hoffman, smacked a single down the right field line. Wyatt walked in the seventh as well to become the third Fort Wayne player to reach multiple times on the night. With the score tied 1-1 in the bottom of the eighth inning, designated hitter Brandon Valenzuela stepped up to the plate with Lucas Dunn on second base and one out. The Tin Caps hadn't recorded a hit since the third inning. Batting from the right side, Valenzuela smashed a belt-high fastball to deep left center field. The ball bounced off the top of the wall and fell to the track. Dunn scored easily on the play, and Valenzuela earned his first triple of the year. After the game, the 21-year-old from Mexico credited the fans with their enthusiasm to inspire the team. Yeah, that was a great game. I watched that game when he hit him like, go, go. He's, you know, he's young, but he's a, he's a little bit of a big boy. Well, he's a catcher, yeah. you know, so he's got the he's, he's he's done how many thousands of squats. He's got that built. So then on Saturday, uh, Robert Hassel was reinstated from the COVID list uh, after being placed on there June 2nd. 
which and he still ranks highest in bad average with 305 and sixth in stolen bases with 15. And so tell us how he announced his uh, his return uh, back from the COVID list. Well, first that bat was, <laughs> excuse me. Okay, I'll take the wheel. <laughs> On Sunday, Robert Hassel doubled and hit a two-run homer in his first start in two weeks. The left-handed batter leads the Midwest League in batting average with 310. Uh, pitchers didn't allow a, a hit through the first seven innings. However, that changed with number 14 Guardians prospect Petey Halpin bunted for a single to begin the eighth. That sounds kind of familiar. Bunting to break up a no-hitter. That's a Padres move. Ben Davis. Efren Contreras worked the first two innings, yielding only one walk. Brandon Komar followed with four perfect innings. So right before that, I was on Twitter, and I saw people talking about uh, Robert Haslam. They were people microanalyze stuff, especially with prospects. And it's like, you know what, the dude's what 21 22 years old he's got he's he's developing he's growing he's changing and they're pointing out his ground ball rate and how i don't know if that's going to be sustainable at the higher levels blah 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 so what does he do he shows up and hits a a two-run homer and another missile of a double yeah he's his batted ball profile is fine when the time comes if he wants to make that adjustment he's got the bat control He's, he has the know-how, the mechanical understanding. He can, he can, if he wants to start lifting the ball, he can. He's going to yeah. do what he needs to do to, 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 to excel. You know, and that home run is opposite field. His power is to left field. Well, I and I, I, I think he just doesn't try to pull the ball. That's, that's, that has a lot to do with his approach. He's, he's trying to go gap to gap. And so the ball that he's driving out to, to left field is because it's the pitch that's that's middle away or maybe it's down in a way. And so he's getting extended and he's take going the other way with it. Um, You know, if, if he was more aggressive on the stuff inside, then maybe that's the stuff you'd see him pulling over the, the the right field fence, Uh, the inside stuff. He's kind of just, he's flaring those for singles right now. Um, You know, kind of reminds me of, you know, we hear about what Tony Gwynn throughout his whole career, uh, not a whole lot of power. And then there was that all-star game and, and Ted Williams was harping on him. You got to hammer that inside pitch. The inside pitch is where history is made. You need to, to turn on that pitch and hit it for power. And after that, that's when Tony's game kind of took a little bit of an yeah. evolution in the nineties. Yeah. What's what's uh, accumulated to that off the facade in the 1998 world series. Oh my God. His favorite moment. Yeah, his favorite hit of his all his whole career. So moving on to San Antonio, right-handed pitcher Matt Waldron has been placed on the seven-day injured list. Placed on the COVID list was Carlos Bellin, Jorge Ona, Tisornelas, Connor uh, Connor Kaiser, uh, Jorman Rodriguez, and Osvaldo Hernandez. All since have been back and reinstated. I think most of them, because most of them played this weekend. They were down six players. Six players. That's crazy. And it's not like these are... I, okay, you've got one relief pitcher in there, but everybody else is pretty much a, a daily starter. Oh, you, oh, and Osvaldo Hernandez. But, I mean, everybody else is in the lineup every day. Yeah, so they, they really had to scramble. Yeah, well, you know, they're partying together. They're all listening to La Chona and, and, and dancing <laughs> ding, and get a little ding, too ding, close. Ding, yeah. <laughs> so strike one Wednesday, uh, Thomas Eshelman, Eshelman has allowed two runs or fewer. They pitched into the sixth inning. <sighs> Stop strike. Thank you for holding on. Thank you for staying with us. Strike one Wednesday. Thomas Eshelman has allowed two runs or fewer. Pitched into the sixth inning and avoided walking a batter in four of his last five starts. Thank you. 
During that stretch, he is a 2.48 ERA. The former big leaguer has allowed three walks over 45 double-A innings. With several missions on the COVID list, the Padres traded for infielder Ike Freeman. On Monday, the former Indians farmhand collected his first hit with the missions. He has hit 175, 327, 350 between double-A and triple-A this season. The Padres also acquired catcher Juan Zabala from the Donners organization. The 22-year-old backstop signed with the Donners out of Venezuela back in 2016 and has played in just four games with the high-A Great, uh, high Great Lakes loons before the trade. Strike two on Friday after back-to-back losses, the Missions offense responded in a big way on Friday night. After allowing two runs in the bottom of the first inning, a three-run home run from Reynaldo Ilaraza highlighted a five-run second inning for San Antonio. With scoreless outings from Moises Lugo, Henry Henry, and Alec Jacob, the Missions ended their brief losing streak. In the bottom of the fourth inning, Moises Lugo inherited a runner at second base with two outs. He left the runner stranded. Lugo records his fourth win of the season. He's 4-0 after two and two-thirds scoreless innings. The right-hander allowed one walk while striking out six batters. He ties Osvaldo Hernandez for most strikeouts in a game for a missions reliever this season. Henry Henry replaced Lugo with one out in the bottom of the seventh inning. He retired both of the batters he faced. Alec Jacob recorded the save after he tossed scoreless innings in the eighth and ninth. Good bullpen day for the guys. Absolutely good bullpen day. I'm a big Moises Lugo fan. Got the Curry Dreads. And we keep hearing Alec Jacobs' name <clears throat> popping up yeah. too. Sunday, uh, strike three. Saturday afternoon, after scoring runs five runs in the second inning on Friday night, the Missions' offense continued that trend and scored three runs in the first inning on Saturday night. They added two more runs in the second inning, despite a tough start from Watson and Cops. The remainder of the Missions' bullpen kept the hooks off the scoreboard for most of the game. Dinosaur Lamette had a second straight scoreless outing breezing through one inning on just nine pitches, seven first strikes. Since returning to double-A, Lament has struck out nine in seven innings and allowed just one walk, but he's given up 10 hits on the way to a 3.86 ERA. Uh, and Lament just went back up to triple-A. He hasn't yeah, made an appearance right. yet, but yeah. now he's in El Paso. Yeah. Michelle Baez remains another strong bullpen option for the Major League Club. He earned his first save with two strong innings Saturday in seven games with the missions. He has a 3.72 ERA with 13 strikeouts and nine and two thirds innings against three walks and six hits. Good seeing him get some multiple inning appearances. Yeah. Got to figure that's that's got to play into what they're hoping to get out of him this year. You know, we saw Adrian Morahone got called up and looked outstanding in his 2022 major league yeah. debut. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up Baez's uh, game log. So he went two innings. He was it's the three innings before that. He only pitched one inning, uh, but he's been bouncing between one and two innings this year. Yeah. Well, and, and with him and Lamette, both those guys, you just want them throwing strikes. Like sure. The result you want, you want strikeouts. You want all the numbers there, but you want them to consistently throw strikes, get some innings underneath them. Cause they know that, well, at least Baez, uh, you know, can perform in the major leagues. And Lamette, although struggled very, very much to begin this season, uh, he can get big leaguers out and be a dominant force in the bullpen once he gets used to being in the bullpen. Right, right. We hope. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah. I would think that these guys, they're probably told, okay, you're going to face X many batters or you're going to throw this many pitches so I would think that they would use it as a challenge. Like, okay, you're only going to give me 20 pitches. Well, I'm going to see if I can get three innings out of that. Right. You know? Right. Okay. So El Paso on Wednesday, the player of the game was second baseman, Eggy Rosario. He blasted two homers, stole a base and drew a walk. 
Like Jake Cronenworth, he finished a triple shy of the cycle on Wednesday night. He set a new career high with 11 total bases. Despite uh, being 200 at-bats into the season, this one game still raised his slugging percentage 46 points from 323 to 369. While Eggy has been with the Padres organization since 2015, he's still just 22 years old in AAA. So he's young for the level, and now he's been coming on hot the last the last couple weeks. So he was he was kind of a little fish in a big pond to start the year off. And I'm wondering if he's just now finally starting to make some adjustments. Yeah. Uh, left fielder Estuary Ruiz sent his first AAA hit a long way. Ruiz hit his 10th home run of the season and first with El Paso. Ruiz has now gone three games without a stolen base. This <gasps> matches his season-long stolen base drought. He went three games without a swipe in April. The Padres made news this week when they signed Kyle Martin from Guerreros de Oaxaca, the Mexican League. He last played in affiliated minor league ball in 2018. He played three seasons with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, an independent team in the American Association. In his first game with El Paso, he had two hits and two RBI. I believe one of them was a home run. Okay. And uh, Ryan Weathers allowed five earned runs in six and two-thirds innings in his longest start since May 4th. So Kyle Martin, I remember seeing this on, on Twitter somewhere. Somebody posted the highest... OPS of any hitter anywhere in the world playing professional baseball. Cause now you got, you got baseball being played in Taiwan and yeah. you know, Japan, China, Korea, all of these different leagues. And Kyle Martin, I think there was only one guy in any professional level anywhere with a higher OPS than he had in the Mexican summer league. Now the level of competition isn't is, quite triple right. a level, but still, when you see a guy out there, that's drawn walks, he's not striking out. He's hitting the ball a freaking mile. It's at least worth looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he throws left-handed. Uh, he's a big guy. Sounds like he's first base DH only, but you never know. You know, you could catch lightning in a bottle, you know, and I love watching. That's a, my favorite part of watching the, the Dominican winter league is these, big chubby guys just going up there and raking like you know (laughs) every team has one or two of those guys where you know they hadn't played any uh, affiliated ball or even professional ball in years but they make a living down there hitting bombs and it's just fun to watch these big guys uh run around the bases he uh so he was hitting 364 480 884 with a 1.365 ops in mexico Woo. Well, so my favorite guy when I'm watching the Dominican League is I think his name is Junior Guerra. Okay. And he's like he is he looks like like Kirby, the the Nintendo character getting okay. out there. He's this big round dude. And then he gets up on the mound and just starts throwing 98. Yeah. Just 98 yeah. straight right down. You know what's coming. <laughs> um, strike two Thursday, Estrue Ruiz produced one of the most stuffed box scores imaginable, smacking two home runs in a double among four hits. Uh, scoring four runs, driving in three, and stealing a base. Yes, the ball carries in the PCL, but that's a strong performance anywhere. He's not only made strides defensively as a center fielder, but he's also slashing 349, 477, 651, and 192 at-bats between the two levels with 12 home runs, 18 doubles, 35 walks against 43 strikeouts, and 38 stolen bases. So I I remember seeing the highlights for that game um, where – Ruiz and and Abrams both hit their home runs and Kyle Tyler hit a home run too. Tyler's home run was the opposite field. It was a wall scraper. And it was one of those where you see that and you go mm, in the major leagues. That's probably a can of corn, right. but Ruiz and Abrams, their home runs were absolute tanks. No doubt, like clearing everything. 
Was that when he? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll go on to the SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, <laughs> SpongeBob <laughs> jerseys. This would have been Eggie Rosario's night if not for Ruiz having the Titanic evening he did. Uh, Rosario slugged a homer on his own, added a triple for good measure, continuing a red hot start to the series, and also contributed a highlight reel play in the field. It's a feat to allow only two runs in Albuquerque. The Johnny Cash lyric, go back to your friends and loved ones till others not to go to that godforsaken country they call New Mexico. That must have been Mark Wilkins. It was Mark Wilkins, and that was a Johnny <laughs> Cash lyric. Uh, I don't know the song personally, so I probably sing that way out of cadence and tune. Uh, <laughs> takes on a new meaning in the PCL, and even more impressive to pull it off in a bullpen game. So Evan Miller delivered two perfect innings as the opener. It's his second start of the year for Miller, who was one and two with the 5.68 ERA and two saves and 27 and a third innings pitched. Yeah. So he was the opener. It was a, a yeah. planned bullpen game, but it's still kind of interesting that you, okay, who's tomorrow's starter, Evan Miller. That's right. a little odd. Uh, so I pulled up Edgar Rosario. He's been split in time at second base, third base, shortstop. He's, he's made 32 starts at second base. 11 starts at third base, 12 starts mm. at shortstop. Um, he's an undersized guy. When you see him, like among the other guys on the field, he's not a beanpole. Like CJ Abrams is no. like, what, 6'3? Uh, yeah. Where I think Eggie's like 5'9. Uh, but he Built can play like a fullback. And he's yeah. a fullback. Yeah, like but he can thick. move. He's, yeah. he's thick, but he's quick. You see how he's built and you wouldn't think that he can move that, that quick kind of reminds me of Darren Sproles a little bit yeah. uh, of the chargers that, you know, but I mean, Sproles was another like six inches shorter. Um, anyway, pulling out the Darren Sproles and that's, he's recently a new guy. I always loved Darren Sproles. Yeah. I, I liked him since he was in college. I always liked the little guy. I remember what was it? Little train, little train, James. Yeah, Lionel Little Train James. Now that's more yes. my speed when it comes to Chargers. Darren Sproul came later and still. That was one of my favorite, <laughs> like my first favorite players, because I was like five years old and it's I was always the littlest kid. And then there's a little guy on the football field that's running crazy. Okay, so taking it home on strike three on Saturday, El Paso's second baseman CJ Abrams went five for six with four singles, a home run, and three RBIs. Abrams had an at bat in the eighth inning with a chance for the Chihuahua's first six hit game by an individual player, but he grounded out to the pitcher. Womp, womp. Uh, Abrams has been heating up in June with a slash line of 333, 371, 455. So he got to AAA, had those few, like two or three yeah. great games right off the bat, and then he kind of hit the skids for a couple of weeks and then he adjusted and now he's been doing well again so yeah. gotta have a little bit of patience uh Estuary ruiz was caught stealing for the first time in triple a he got on base five times had three hits and stole his third base in five games matthew batten appeared in the left field saturday continuing to show his defensive versatility while playing his sixth different defensive position of the season he's continued to hit and get on base which he did four times on saturday on the year he is hitting 305 411 535 give the kid a chance Absolutely. But a Chihuahua starter, Aaron Leisher, allowed three earned runs in five and a third innings to get the win. El Paso's 18 hits Saturday tied the club season high. The first seven Chihuahua batters of the game all reached base. Okay, so what was more fun, watching all that stuff happen on the field or all the crazy stuff they were doing off the field with this SpongeBob promotion? It was the SpongeBob promotion and the jersey. Oh, my God, it Those was ridiculous. <laughs> The whole game, they were tweeting out. Every tweet had a SpongeBob yeah. gift. 
I I wasn't a I was a little bit too old to be a SpongeBob yeah, fan, but I picked it up a little bit. Uh, and oh my god, they were having so much fun with it. Uh, so I think we got to play this out with a little sweet, sweet victory. Uh, the, the the SpongeBob. Have you seen that 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 clip? No. They 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 got somehow got rooked into playing like the halftime show of the Super Bowl, the you know, the the SpongeBob version of that. And they go out there and nobody's expecting anybody to be able to play an instrument. And next thing you know, they built out this classic arena rock, amazing song about sweet, sweet victory. I didn't really. I'd never seen that. Never heard of that. Well, you're going to have to listen through to the end of the episode so you can hear it. Like everybody else is going to hear it right now. That's awesome. Hey, before we go, I want to let you guys know that we, so with the damage duo, like you guys are phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. So what we've done here is we put, we, we $300 of it went to, uh, to buying the Chipotle gift cards for the team fans collected. And one guy matched everyone's, we did that in a weekend. They, uh, they, they, they collected 1650 bucks for, the uh, for the gift cards at the end of July. Um, after that, we sold another five hundred dollars worth of of merch. So I I'm I'm gonna buy. They don't have any sunflower seeds or gum. Like that's what I found out that they don't have any of. And what's baseball without chewing gum and sunflower seeds? Yeah. So I'm buying two hundred dollars worth of sunflower seeds in a the bucket. They have these buckets with fifty small one seven one point seven five bags. I don't want to get them the large ones. You get one small bag. You know, they can eat a couple in a game, you know, so like 2000, I'm getting them like 400 sunflower bags of sunflower seeds and another like 900 pieces of, of no, about 400 pieces of bubble gum. That'll last them a couple of weeks. And then we still have money and I'm going to cut um, Terrence a check for Lake Elsinore Storm and he's going to do something nice for the team. Nice, nice. Terrence yeah. Tucker, friend of the podcast, yeah. clubhouse manager, and an all-around stand-up citizen. So I can, you know, I can't thank you guys enough. Like, you know, we sold the McKenzie Gore shirts were were the first time we did this, and it was McKenzie Gore. And we barely sold three four hundred dollars worth uh, of gear there. And we had to put in a lot of our own money to make that five hundred dollar check to the booster club back 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 in the day. Um, this has taken off. Uh, and we hope to do it again, you know, again next year. I'm going to continue still selling that gear. Um, so it will still be for sale online. It's there. Uh, all that money will be collected for future stuff for the minor league team. Uh, I don't touch it. It doesn't get moved. Um, but next year, we'll see what draft picks come along. And if any of those guys start in Lake Elsinore, then we can do it again. And we're going to figure some way to, to help the guys out in Lake Elsinore and maybe adopt a minor leaguer. But we'll we'll keep doing this because it seems to be catching on and working. And once again, I, you know, we don't make any money out this. We don't do this for the money. I don't do it for the money. I do it to help these guys. Cause it's, uh, it's tough being a minor league ball player, particularly when you're an a ball and um, the budgets that some of these minor league teams have and are particularly our Lake Elsinore storm is, uh, you know, is small. Yeah. That, is that surprised thin. me when we talked to Terrence, and he's like, yeah, we've got a budget for meals and all this, but you know what we don't have a budget for is sunflowers and seeds and, and bubble gum. Like, yeah. come on, that's like a basic thing that's in yeah. that should be in every every dugout. Well, it's either that or or a meal day. You right. know what I mean? And that's I'm not sure how many. I think I'm buying seven buckets with with fifty in each bucket. 
Um, you know, and that, and I'm like, okay, 25 guys in the roster, two bags, like maybe that's a week's worth of sunflower seeds, or maybe it's the rest of the season's worth. But, um, you know, it's a little something those guys can have and chew gum. I'm not a gum chewer, but, you know, it, it's from you guys. And, and I really appreciate it. Both of Roy and I are just like, I'm, I'm dumbfounded on how much this has taken off. Thank you so very much, everyone. All right. You can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. Sweet, sweet victory. Sweet, sweet victory. It's all for the king. It's all for the fight. And it's sweet, sweet victory.